The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode... And she obviously didn't have an understanding of it either. And she told me, oh, if my dad eats sugar, he'll die. So when I heard I have diabetes, I thought, oh, great. So if I put an ounce of sugar in my mouth, I'm going to die. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. I hope you're all well. I hope you all had a great week. And I am going to get straight into it. I'm lucky enough right now to be accompanied by a good friend. He is in California right now, so halfway across the world. I'm in Ireland, just outside Dublin, as you know. So he is a fellow type 1 diabetic. He's an amazing and actually very honest diabetes advocate like myself he's part of beyond type one's ambassador and leadership council he is a graphic designer he is a diabetes blogger he's studying to become a certified diabetes educator and as i said someone who i call a good friend mr david mina david thanks so much for coming on thank you so much for having me delighted to get you on here i know we met back in i suppose it was i think october October last year, yeah, at the Myabetic Diabetes Awards. And I think we had a good connection then. And I suppose we've been talking consistently since. And uh, we've certainly bonded over our, our diabetic journey. <clears throat> so we then met again, actually, in, was it November? We did. I think in we November. Had a we were, yeah, at a meetup. So how's life been since then? Well, we're in a pandemic, so it's kind of <laughs> crazy right now. Um, since November, it's pretty much just been the same with you know school and everything. I'm still doing my thing with diabetes and advocacy and everything. But um, yeah, beginning March, there was a pandemic. So I've been at home, as I'm sure most people listening right now are at home as well. Um, and yeah, nothing too crazy since then. I suppose we're we're in a similar boat. Obviously, having diabetes, so we uh, we can't be too risky yeah. going outdoors very frequently. So, listen, I know you were. I know you were diagnosed at the age of eleven, 
And I know you've done a, mi- a million things since then, but I always like to dive back into when each person was diagnosed, you know, their feelings around it. And just to even compare with my own experience and maybe for anyone else who's listening to see how it may relate to them. So do you want to tell me a bit about your story and back when you were diagnosed? Sure. So I was, like you said, diagnosed at the age of 11. Um, Nobody in my family really knew much about diabetes, especially type 1. We didn't even know there was a difference of type 1 and type 2, as I'm sure a lot of people share that similarity with. But um, yeah, I kind of displayed the typical symptoms that a lot of people go through before they're diagnosed. So frequent urination and drinking a lot of water. I lost about maybe 25 pounds in two weeks. Um, So I looked really sick at the time. And Mm. um, my mom just knew I was not feeling well. It was obvious that I wasn't myself. And she said, let's go get a blood test um, just to make sure. She always says that she knew in the back of her head that it was something like diabetes, but she obviously didn't want to say anything too early and, you know, worry me about it. So we got a blood test um, kind of at the end of a week and on the weekend, on a Sunday, which is very rare for at least where I live for a hospital to call you on a Sunday, they called me with the results of my blood test. And I don't even think they said that I had diabetes over the phone, but they just said, you need to come in immediately. Um, We have, you know, your test results and So we went over to the hospital and, um, you know, my primary care doctor at the time, I didn't have an endocrinologist yet. So my primary care doctor sat me down and said, you have type one. And at the time it was juvenile diabetes. Um, they don't call that, call it that anymore, but, um, yeah. And, you know, just in the hospital sitting there and they tell you this bad news and I was only 11. So I just kind of like, you know, it hurt to hear that. And it was like, I had no idea what to expect. Um, A friend of mine had told me her dad had diabetes, but she didn't specify the type. Come to realize now it was type two, but (laughs) she didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that at the time. And she obviously didn't have an understanding of it either. And she told me, oh, if my dad eats sugar, he'll die. So when I heard I have diabetes, I thought, oh, great. So if I put an ounce of sugar in my mouth, I'm going to die. Not very reassuring. Definitely. (laughs) That's why it was really scary at the time to find out. But um, yeah, I, you know, once I kind of accepted it is what it is, I have no choice at this point. Um, They told me you can run home quickly to grab a few items because you're going to be in the hospital for a few days. And then I had to go to a completely different hospital because my um, local one didn't have a pediatric endocrinology um, department at the time. So we had to drive about maybe 30 minutes to a different hospital. Um, And it's like they knew I was coming because as soon as I walked into the, the ER, they kind of, had a room ready for me and they're like, Oh, you're David. Okay. Right this way. And they just like placed me in the the hospital room right away and just, you know, did the typical standard thing. They checked my blood sugar. I think I was 
above 500. Um, I know it's different. The, the, um, measure MGDL. Diff- yeah, we have a yeah. different reading, different reading yeah. in Ireland. So what were you thinking when all this was going on? Cause I was 19 when I was diagnosed. So I was kind of yeah. old enough to know that diabetes was a condition that people live with. I didn't necessarily know what it entailed, but as an 11 year old, what was going through your head when, you know, you're rushing back home to get your supplies, you're now in a hospital bed, getting the VIP treatment. <laughs> what, what were you thinking when all this was going on? Honestly, like the most attention you ever get is in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think that was like one of the very few times in my life where I can say I lived like an out of body experience. I kind of didn't really take into account what was happening. It was just happening all so fast, you know, like rushing home quickly to get some things and then rushing back to a hospital. And, you know, as soon as I walk in there, you know, injecting the IV in my hand and, you know, pricking my finger for the first time. And like, all of this was so new. I just felt very overwhelmed. I really didn't know what was going to happen, what my future looked like. Um, I had never really had proper education on type 1 diabetes. So I really didn't know what it entailed in the first place. So it just was this very overwhelming, confusing state of mind I was going through. And I felt very, even though I had my parents with me and my whole family came and visited me at the hospital, I felt alone in a sense. And I felt like Mm. nobody can fully understand what I'm feeling or what I'm going through. And that kind of scared me because I felt like, you know, again, I have no frame of reference for what my future is going to look like. So I felt like I'm going to have to feel this way the rest of my life. Did you understand what, you know, the next few days, weeks, years, and the rest of your lifetime would entail? Were you aware of the fact that this is now a lifelong condition? No, honestly, I I didn't feel that way because at the time also my, finally a a pediatric endocrinologist came in and he had told us that, you know, within five to seven years, there will be a cure at the time back then, which was in 2008 and now it's 2020. And there's all this talk that like, okay, a cure might happen, but it also might not in our lifetime at least, um, and, you know, part of my story has been accepting the fact that there may not be a cure in my lifetime, and I've been able to be okay with that. But, yeah, at the time, because I didn't know what diabetes entailed or what a lifestyle as a type 1 diabetic would look like, um, plus I had my doctor tell me there would be a cure in, you know, a certain amount of time, I just didn't really take into account that this is my life for the rest of my life that I will have to, you know, inject insulin multiple times a day or, you know, wear an insulin pump, prick my finger several times a day, Um, you know, experiencing your first high and your first low is really traumatizing in a bit like you feel like, you know, nobody really understands how you can actually feel when you're low or high unless they are diabetic. And Mm you feel like in a sense you're dying and you're especially your first high and low. <laughs> it's just such a crazy experience. So I, I really didn't know what 
was coming. I was kind of taking it one day at a time, but without any hope necessarily, without any hope of improvement or acceptance of this disease. It just kind of, I was just kind of going through the motions, but I wasn't processing the day-to-day future, if that makes sense. Mm. For someone now who, you know, you obviously have a, a great social media presence and you're somebody who thousands of diabetics around the world look up to in a sense. How did you adapt from leaving the hospital as an 11 year old kind of not really knowing what's going on? You now have to inject yourself multiple times a day. When did you go from somebody who obviously worries about this condition? It's so overwhelming, isolating, as you said. When were you able to make that conscious shift into being somebody who kind of promotes a healthy and a a happy life with diabetes? Yeah, so that definitely took years to to become a thing for me. Um, It didn't happen overnight. I, you know, was diagnosed when I was 11. And I think when I was about 13 or 14, I began taking my diabetes on myself. Like I was dealing with everything, with all the highs, with the lows, changing my pump sites on my own, giving myself uh, my own injections, like kind of distancing myself a bit from my parents' care towards my diabetes. And, you know, being a teenager, you're not going to be necessarily the most disciplined. And I ran into a lot of trouble with that, you know, in school, like being really worried about going low in class all the time. So I would make myself go high. And I didn't realize that high blood sugars were, you know, in a sense, just as dangerous as being low. So it ended up turning my A1C really high, the highest I've ever had. And I got this really strict lecture from my diabetes educator at the time, basically telling me if I keep up this lifestyle and being, you know, so careless and not considering my health every day, I could run into different health conditions later on in life, especially as I get older. And that really shook my ground for a little bit. And that day moving forward, I really, you know, said, okay, who am I on this earth for? Who do I want to be on this earth for? What do I want out of life? I clearly had been living with diabetes for a few years and just wasn't enjoying life. Like I really, I tell this to people all the time and not to sound dark or anything, but I, in a sense, was hating my life because I wasn't happy. I was living, you know, one day at a time, but each day brought its own struggles. You know, you're either constantly high or constantly low, feeling really sick all the time and, you know, feeling like a sick patient in a sense. And I didn't like that. And I said, you know, before I was diagnosed, I was this happy, careless kid who didn't think about health the way I'm thinking about it now. And so that's kind of like, you know, shifting gears into my social media. Like that's when I really started it, when I fully accepted my diabetes at that young age when I got that news from my doctor and my endo my um, diabetes educator I just felt very driven to to use diabetes for something good and turn it around I tell this to people all the time but 
the day I was diagnosed, my mom in the hospital, she came up to me and told me, you're going to use diabetes to help other people. And you're going to make lemonade out of these lemons you were given, these really sour, bitter lemons that you were given. Mm. And she was talking about diabetes, obviously. And at the time, I didn't know what she meant by that. Now I'm I'm pretty confident that she just meant take this diagnosis that you were given that seems like the end of the world, but turn it around for something good. And that's what I've been trying to do ever since. Um, I've been trying to promote that healthy, positive lifestyle on social media and connect other people, allow people to not feel alone when they're diagnosed or to not feel scared of different outcomes or hopeless or anything like that. Um, I always remember how I felt at the time when I was diagnosed, feeling like the only one in the world with diabetes and feeling very isolated and very alone. And I know how that feels. And I, I'm sure you do too. Like all of us have felt that at some point. And I don't want anyone else to feel that way. So I said, I'm going to do everything in my power to make other people feel validated and feel important and feel like their health you know is is just as important as everyone else so if they say they're not feeling well it matters like everybody has a right to feel a certain way and to you know it it, it needs to be recognized that we're living with a chronic illness day to day and it needs to be cared for with the same importance as everyone else so that was kind of like a little backstory of how it all started, but um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think from what you've said, you definitely are that person who somebody can, you know, be having a really bad day and they go online and they see your posts and your posts are, are ones that I've always loved. They're, they're so honest. And what I like about your social media is the fact that you know, you, you don't just share the good days, you share the days where you do feel like shit and you share the days where you feel awful and you're not motivated to do anything. And I think that's why people have connected with you so well, because you're so honest in that way. I have a quote from you here from an interview you did in 2018. I was doing some, I was doing some additional research on you. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a quote here, it said, I decided that if I can help just one person and share my story online, someone would hopefully benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously a conscious decision you made to bring your diabetic life online. Definitely. I think when I first started posting on social media um, as a diabetic, I was um, still in that awkward place where I just didn't feel fully comfortable with diabetes yet I hadn't fully accepted it I hadn't fully recognized that this is my life for the rest of my life essentially and I started posting on you know just my daily challenges or victories with diabetes if I was low one day I would take a picture of my meter and say you know this is what happened today to me and then it just kind of grew into something more where I realized there was a whole community out there that I didn't know was there and I didn't know I needed. And I always like to say that diabetes has really given me more than it has taken from me. Um, I think without diabetes, I wouldn't have 
the friends that I have now. I wouldn't have this amazing opportunity to have a social media platform and presence where I can use it for good in a sense and help somebody. And like you were saying earlier in that quote, if I can help one person and that one person who may have been someone like me at the time of diagnosis feeling hopeless and alone, I know I did my job and I know that I can sleep well at night knowing that one person in this world has been helped in a sense. And I don't want to take credit as if I'm the only one who does that. I think it really takes the full community to do that. We all kind of come together in a sense to help each other out. That's really who we're helping in a sense. And I believe that if if we're able to keep doing that and keep sticking together as a community, putting out that, you know, content or putting out information or resources for others to look at in these scary dark times when you're diagnosed or you're going through a really bad time with your diabetes that's all helping somebody out there absolutely and i can't encourage i can't i can't encourage a diabetic enough to get involved within the diabetes community it's obviously something me and you are so hugely involved with now and it's almost hard to to imagine a life without diabetes oh yeah i if I know you'd be the same as me, David. It's you'd almost be struggling to to figure out what you'd be doing if you didn't have diabetes. Oh, now saying saying that, I think me and you have kind of gone in a similar direction when it comes to college and studies and stuff. Because I went to I went to college for five years. I went to art college, studied animation, got my degree, and I was like, for maybe you know three three and a half years i was like this is definitely what i want to do Mm -hmm. i want to be an animator that's what i'm going to do for the rest of my life and i suppose when i was diagnosed obviously this was all going on and i kind of made that shift at the end of i suppose third year into you know maybe i don't want to do this yeah and maybe i do want to pursue diabetes and and fitness full time which obviously now i am which i'm delighted about now I'm going to try and get this right because you had a similar path. Oh, yeah. So you originally studied to become an endocrinologist, mm-hmm. then changed to dentistry, then changed to graphic design. And then as well as me in your third year, <laughs> you decided to pursue diabetes full time. You got it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you think that shift was? Because I know you're now studying to become a certified diabetes educator. Mm-hmm. The was there anything in particular that kind of made you pursue that full time? Is there anything that really kind of struck a chord with you and you were like, no, I I want to make that shift? Or was it more of a gradual process and just kind of consistently being involved within the community that we're in? Um yeah, I believe that, like you said, I started out with um I mean, essentially, I wanted to study medicine to become an endocrinologist because I always had that belief that I needed to do something with diabetes, but I didn't know what. And I just assumed, oh, well, if I want to do something with diabetes, I should just be a doctor. And I was like, not really taking into account my personality, my lifestyle, all of that. 
So shortly after that, I realized, no, I don't want to be a doctor. Like, that's not what I want to do. Um, And then, you know, the dentistry thing came on. Again, that wasn't it for me. So then um, the whole, like, graphic design background, I've always, like, ever since I was a baby, probably, like, I've been very creative and artistic. Like, I've always wanted to, you know, do something with art and with design. I've always been that kid sitting at the table drawing or coloring something or painting, you name it. But um, yeah, as I got older and like kind of started to, um, you know, dip my toes in the whole design world, take a few design classes, I realized like, I really like this. And this is something that I feel it comes so naturally for me that I want to incorporate into my lifestyle. I want to continue on with my, you know, creative background. So, um, yeah, like you said, halfway through my college experience, I, um, changed my major fully to, um, graphic design. And then I ended up graduating two years after with a BFA in graphic design with an emphasis in photography and digital illustration. And through that, Though I still wanted something to do with diabetes, I incorporated diabetes into my design work. So for like my last year, I would say, in design school, I fully created a body of work that was just diabetes awareness and education through a creative medium. Because I always saw that, you know, you can easily educate anybody through good design. It doesn't have to be, you know, boring textbook material design. Like it can have some fun to it and it can really like speak to people of all ages, kids or adults or you name it. So, um, yeah, for the next year, that was like my mission. I just wanted to create this body of work and um, I did that. My, you know, exit for my my program was to put on um, a gallery exhibition displaying all of my work. So I had a full on diabetes artwork display in a gallery and it just was the coolest thing ever to put together. Um, I was taking creative photos of type one diabetics with their devices showing or, you know, quotes about what they go through as a diabetic. And it was such a great way to bring people together, but also to educate the general public because a lot of people came in to see my um, artwork and a lot of people didn't even know about type 1 diabetes so it was just such a refreshing feeling and a very rewarding feeling to educate people through that so now being in school again to become um, a diabetes educator I still believe that like I need to stick with my design passion because that art show that I put on really spoke volume to me and it told me that you can still be a diabetes educator and you can still be a designer and you can combine the two and you can learn to educate people through design. When I was in design school, one of my good friends, she had told me that you can easily educate people on anything, like I was saying with good design, down to like a medicine bottle. It doesn't have to, we all know what a medicine bottle looks like. It's a boring little orange tube with standard text on it and you know we all are used to something like that but it doesn't have to be that way like you can put fun graphics on it you can 
you know, show little diagrams of people injecting insulin in which spots on their bodies and all of that. So that's kind of like my goal and what I see as being an educator in the diabetes space, but still incorporating that whole graphics and design aspect to it. Um, yeah, we do have a similar background. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you uh, you want to follow the passion of design, but you you'll you'll constantly have that diabetes itch as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's almost like everything you do is based around diabetes, which is great. Similar to me, it's like t-shirts, stickers, posts, blogs, interviews. Everything I see you doing is obviously related to diabetes. Yeah. Did you ever imagine as an 11-year-old, as you said, sick and scared, lying in a hospital bed, would you ever have thought that your life would be so centered around this potentially terrifying condition? And it was terrifying yeah. for a certain amount of time. But did you ever think your life would be so, so related to diabetes? I don't think so. At the time, I, like I said, I hadn't accepted diabetes. Like I was just doing the day-to-day -day management, but I wasn't embracing it at all. And I kind of didn't want anything to do with it, anything extra to do with it. Um, I looked at diabetes and I still do as a 24 seven, 365 day job that you can't, you know, take a vacation from and you can't, you know, even take a break, a 15 minute break from that job. No. So it's kind of like at the time I didn't see myself being so embedded into diabetes more than I had to. But also, like I said, you know, my mom had told me you're going to do something amazing with diabetes. Just, you know, just watch. And I think I knew I'm going to do something with it. I just didn't know what. And I really believe that everything does happen for a reason because I think had I not been diagnosed with diabetes, I really don't know what I would be or who I would be right now, where I would be in life, what I would be studying, all of that. And so, like I said, diabetes has given me more. Um, and it can even be down to it gave me more insight. It gave me more, more of a path to follow. So maybe at the time of diagnosis, I didn't see myself as somebody so fully invested with diabetes, but it was almost clear that it was just going to develop over time. Something was going to develop. I just didn't know why. It's hugely encouraging, even to myself, somebody who's been diabetic for the best part of nine years now, it it's so reassuring and encouraging to hear you speak so positively about diabetes and especially considering the fact that, you know, you were terrified as an 11 year old, not knowing what life would now entail. And I was only, I was briefly chatting to one of my dad's friends actually yesterday and he was a teacher in a school and one day a parent of, of one of the kids in the school had obviously gotten news that her child was diagnosed with diabetes and similar age to you, I think maybe 10, 11, I suppose at the time. And my dad's friend was in his office in the school and he had this parent, you know, crying, wondering, what does this mean? Why my son, you know, all these questions and, and this fear about 
what life will now, what it'll look like. If you were to speak to somebody of like a parent of a child, what would you say to reassure those sort of parents? I would tell them that, you know, just look at any other diabetic and they are living proof that life goes on even after a diagnosis as grand as diabetes, life will go on and life can literally be, and I know this sounds very, you know, cliche or whatever you want to call it. Like life really does go on and you can do anything you want. Diabetes rarely will limit you and it doesn't have to limit you. Yeah. You're going to have those moments where you have to slow down a bit because you know, you have to tend to your diabetes, obviously, but you might fall, but you get right back up. And that's the beauty of something like diabetes. You have that ability to get back up. So even that diagnosis that, you know, a parent, um, their child may have just been given, you can look at it as a fall, for example, they fell, and that kid can get right back up and, you know, brush themselves off and say, you know what, before diagnosis, this was my goal for what I want in life. And I can still reach that goal. I don't have to say, oh, I can't do that anymore because I have diabetes. No, like of all, you know, experiences in my life, I feel like diabetes has acted as a fuel to continue doing what I want and to do things even better, to go much farther and, you know, reach higher goals. And any child who is newly diagnosed is totally capable of doing that. I believe that anybody who is diagnosed with something like diabetes is given an option in a sense, and they're able to look at life and say, what do I really want out of life? Do I want path A or path B? Path A might be, you know, what I've always envisioned out of life and what, you know, even before diagnosis, something that I just always wanted to reach. And path B is that, you know, sitting alone and being depressed about your diagnosis and thinking like the world is coming to an end. And you have that choice. You can literally go down either route. But when you can go down path A and be very confident in knowing that you're going to fall at times and you're going to run into you know, burnout periods, but you can easily get back up and you can continue thriving and doing exactly what you planned on doing even before diabetes. Yeah, it's certainly one of those conditions that that tests you almost on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, you have the physical highs and lows of high blood sugars, low blood sugars, and then you have the emotional highs and lows that can be just as difficult, maybe if, if not more. Yeah. Dave, I was gonna finish with a question but you have probably answered it about 10 times over i'm gonna ask you anyway because i like to finish on a nice positive reassuring note so if you had the opportunity to thank diabetes for something what would it be (laughs) i like that question that's i've never been asked that um i would think diabetes for giving me the life that I have right now. I think, like I said, and you were saying, I probably mentioned this a few times now. (laughs) I I think 
I, I truly believe that if it weren't for diabetes, I wouldn't have the vision or the drive for life that I do now. Um, I wouldn't have the friends that I have. I wouldn't have the job I have or the, the platform I have, any of that. And that has all been the biggest blessing in my life. Um, yeah, I would thank diabetes for giving me life. As simple as that. You're an inspiration, David. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on. And do you want to tell the folks at home where they can find you? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at type1livabetic. David, thanks so much. Really, really appreciate you being on. Best of luck with everything in the future. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you very, very soon. Oh, yeah. Take it easy. Thank you very much. And for the rest of you, thanks so much for listening. Really, really appreciate it. The feedback and the support so far I've got from the podcast has just been amazing. Honestly, can't express how much I appreciate it. So rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Have a fantastic week and I will chat to you soon. Take it easy.